God, we thank you that because you care about us, because you know us, that we do not have to live in fear. We thank you, God, that you are with us now. You are with us when we leave this place of worship. You are with us in our homes, our apartments, wherever we go. You are with us. And God, we ask, we ask, God, in Jesus' name, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds as we continue to dive into this great chapter in Philippians 4. Speak to us is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have the Bibles and you're going to follow along with me, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Just put your bookmark there. We'll get there in a few moments, but look at Philippians chapter number 4. I was... Uh, started reading a book a few months ago called Atomic Habits. And this book is, uh, has a very basic premise, and that is if you make small changes in your life and develop some positive habits, it'll make a tremendous difference in the long run. So it talks about the various habits that we have, bad habits and good habits, and how we can cultivate those good habits, those positive habits that will have a long-term difference in our life. Now, because we tend to be all born in the case of the negative, when I think about habits, I usually think about not my positive habits. I think about my negative habits. I, I just do. Things that I struggle with, things that I think about, things that I battle in my life. So when I think about a habit that I've had to deal with time and time again in my life, that I've had to develop strategies on how to defeat, I think about the habit, the bad habit, the negative habit, the debilitating habit of worry. Worry. Living in the land of the what ifs. You ever do that? What if I can't fall asleep tonight? What if things don't fall in place tomorrow at work the way I intended? What if I don't get that check in the mail? What if this person doesn't do that? What if this happens? And what if that happens? And my head and my mind go spinning around full of worry, fret, and anxiety. So over the years, I have looked into God's Word. I've read other books. I've done other studies on what do you do and how do you combat worry. Now, before we go to the solution, let's look at the top five things that we worry about. If you look at any list on what really preoccupies our minds, what drives us to become worry warts, what are the top five things? They're not going to surprise you, I don't think. Number one is work. We worry about work. How is our job going? Does my boss or manager like me? How am I going to hire this person? How am I going to fire this person? How am I going to make payroll? How am I going to get better? 
now that I'm laid off, how am I going to get a job? What area will that be in? We worry about work. The second thing we worry about, which usually connected to that, is money. M-O-N-E-Y, money. We worry about money. Do I have enough money? Can I make more money? Why did I invest in that stock and lose all that money? Will I have enough money to pay my bills at the end of the month? Will I have enough money to make payroll? We worry about money. That's number two. Number three, relationships. We worry about relationships. Whether you're single or married or somewhere in between, we worry about our relationships. We worry about our family. We worry about our marriage. If you are a parent, a mom or a dad, you worry about your kids from age zero to age 110. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're a parent, you are born to worry. So we worry about all of our relationships. That that's preoccupies our thoughts, that keeps us up at night a lot. Number four, health. We worry about our health. How are we doing? Should we go to the doctor? Is something wrong with us? Do I think I have the COVID, right? We worry, did they have it? Did they get exposed to the person that got exposed, they got exposed? Should I quarantine myself? Should I quarantine my cat and my dog? We worry about our health. We also worry about the health of others. What about my parents? How are their health? What about my grandparents? How are their health? We worry about our health and the health of others, right? That's number four. Number five, which you really should take off your list, but we all worry about it a lot. We worry about what others think about us. We, we worry about what others think about us. I wonder what she said about me. I wonder what he said. I wonder what they think about me now that I heard this, that I did. We're always worrying about what others think about us. And I can tell you this about what others think about you. Not much. Okay? In other words, someone may think something about you for a little bit, but then they're gone on to something else, right? They've gone on to their own movie where they are the executive producer, director, and the star. Okay? That's just how we are. But those are the top five worries. Find on any list. I think it's pretty good, right? Work, money, relationships, health, and what other people think. But the bad thing about worry is this. Worry is a mental game in a sense. It starts in our minds as we roll over these areas of work and relationships and money and all this stuff. And then they just start building. And then that takes us into the area and the land of what ifs. And we begin to uh, have catastrophic thinking. If this falls out of place, if this falls out of place, if this falls out of place, I'm going to have nothing. No one's going to love me. I'm going to be on the street with a sign begging for money. Living under the bridge, okay? That's what happens when worry gets up next to us. But if we don't think that way, if we worry too much and the anxiety fills us too much, then it begins to affect us physically. When worry hits you, you're tempted to fall in either one ditch or the other. You can fall into the, the ditch of depression where you're so worried, you're so burdened down, you're so weighed down, you don't want to get out of bed. So you're weighed down by worry. 
or your worries are so great and they're so fast that you have a panic attack and it feels like you're having a heart attack and you've got to be shoveled off to the ER. So the question is, how do we stay on that road? How do we stay on the path in life with God, with all these things that are definite concerns? How do we do that? How do we deal and battle with worry? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, the times we're living in right now, as people would say, we're living in unprecedented times. That's the phrase, unprecedented. And they are. I mean, I feel like, you know, depending how old you are, you know, we're in some long, drawn-out Tarantino or Twilight Zone movie that just never ends. It's bizarre, and we're trying to juggle work and kids and family and mask and no mask, and you're open, you're closed, you're in between, and, and when it's going to end, and, you know, it's just crazy out there. It just really is. It's nuts. So we have a lot of things to worry about. But, but I thought about, you know, some of the things that, that we often are, are, are concerned about that we, that we actually take action on, that we work on. So, for example, if you've gained the, you've heard of the freshman 15, you go to college, you gain 15 pounds freshman year. Well, some people are calling it the COVID-15 or the COVID-19 because, you know, sometimes you're sitting around and you're eating and you're stressed and, you know, you can't work out like you used to or go outside as much or whatever. And, and, and you gain weight. But we know when we gain weight, we get out of shape. We know, hey, I've got to watch my diet and I've got to begin to exercise. I, I'm going to have to work on that. We all have to work on that. Money. Man, I'm in debt. What am I going to do? Well, I've got to do something. I've got to be proactive. I've got to take some steps. I need to talk to a financial counselor. Take Financial Peace University here at the church. Whatever you do, you know you have to work on it. You have an addiction. And you've tried and tried again to stop that addiction. Well, you know, we all know that if we're going to stop an addiction, we have to work on it. We've got to tell someone. We've got to do the steps to get free. But here's what I found that's kind of crazy about worry. Is that it's a perennial problem. It's very debilitating. At least it has been for me at certain times in my life. And yet we don't think that we have to work on it kind of crazy. Maybe you can hear a sermon like we're going to today or a seminar. Oh, yeah, that's right. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. You know, pray. Da, 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 you know. But as far as really saying, hey, I've got a worry issue. I've got an anxiety issue. I've got to deal with it. Now, obviously, that's on a continuum. Sometimes we have worry and anxiety so much, we need to go see a medical doctor. We need to go see a psychologist. Whatever we need to do to fix it. I get that. I get that. But a lot of us need to learn how to manage and deal with our worries on a day-to-day basis. Dr. Charles Mayo of the Mayo Clinic said this. He said, worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, and the whole nervous system. He said, I've never met a man or a woman who died from overwork, but I've met a lot of them who have died of worry. How to worry? So what do we do? We have to work on our worry. Don't worry about your worry. You ever done that? I'm worried that I worry. Don't don't worry about your worry. Work on your worry. 
And ask yourself the question. I've asked myself the question recently. Does God really want me to live that way? I mean, does God want me to live in a constant state of worry and anxiety? Does he, has, he, has he designed us? Has he made us to relate to him and to relate to others as just always worried and anxious? I don't think so. I think God wants us to do some, or wants us to practice some social distancing from our worries, okay? How about that? Let's do that today. You guys are already in Philippians 4. If you haven't turned there already, if not, the verse will be right there on the screen. Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Paul, who's writing this, brilliant guy, brilliant philosopher, theologian. He used to hate. Paul hated, hashtag hate Christians, hashtag kill Christians. Don't just boycott them, kill them. That's where Paul was for a long time. We can't forget that. Radically converted to Christianity. Now he's going around. You know, he's a part of the cause. He's a part of the movement. He's thrown in jail. He's in Rome, 61 AD. Nero's the emperor. And he's riding from jail in prison to a group of people gathered in the town of Philippi in northern Greece. It's the first European church plant. Here's what he says about worry. Here's some helpful things he says. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Two imperatives one promise in those power-packed verses. The imperatives, things we must do. First one's a negative. Do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. Do not worry. The second one is petition. Pray. Pray to God. Tell them what's on your heart. Tell them what's on your mind. Tell them about the ocean of worries that you're swimming in right now. And then the promise, the peace of God, this transcendent peace, this peace that doesn't make rational sense will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, perhaps... He used the term guard because Paul, in all probability, in this scenario, was chained to a guard. So he had a shackle around his wrist that was chained to a Roman guard. And he was thinking, hey, when you turn over your worries and your anxieties to God through prayer, then the peace of God will guard your heart. And the word picture is a picture of guards that are surrounding a castle, that are protect, protecting that castle. And, and the peace of God is going to surround your life, surround your castle, if you would, as you trust in him. Now, next week, we're going to look at the mind. How 
is our mind affected by worry. I'm going to talk about what I call the bully brain, how we have this tendency to have these self-condemning thoughts. And what do we do about that as it relates to worry and other things? So that's next week. But for now, let's look at how we can unpack and apply what God's Word is telling us here in Philippians 4 about worry. How we can practice some uh, social distancing, if you would, from our worries. So we can experience God's peace. And so we can do what God has called us to do in this very moment. How do we, how do, we do that? Well, here's my application from this. First thing we got to do is this. Is that when you start your day, start your day by thanking God. Thank God. When you go to God in prayer, don't start with your list. Give me this, want to do this, change this, intervene here, do this, do that. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Don't start there. I've done that. I still do it. But when I'm grounded and when I feel like I'm drowning in a sea and an ocean of worries, and the best thing for me to do, the best thing for you to do, I believe, according to God's word, is to thank God. Begin your prayer by thanking God. Because when you start thanking God, you will hear this voice come into the room that will say, worry has left the building. Worry's got to go. Anxiety's got to go as we begin to thank God. So here's what I do. My wife, Chrissy, and I get up in the morning. We have coffee. We have conversation with God. We have a prayer. And when we start praying, we start by thanking God. What do you thank God for? One of the first things I thank God for, I kid you not, is coffee. Now I do. God, thank you for the coffee. Thank you that what I just had to eat. God, I thank you that we, we have a time to read your word and a devotion and hear from you. God, I thank you for uh, our, our, the roof over our head. I thank you for most of our family. Um, all of our family. No, I thank you for our friends. I thank you for the people I work with. I thank you for our police officers, our firemen, our mayor, our press. I just start thanking God for very practical things. Very practical things. And so my thanker is basically run out of things to thank God for. Okay? And when that happens, worry has left the bill. And so worry and anxiety, they don't like to hang out with us when we're thanking God. They want to get out. So start by thanking God, being grateful. Life is one long gratitude test. I'm not thankful for everything. There's some things I hate. There's some things I despise. There's circumstances that I loathe. That's a part of the deal. But in the midst of the loathing and the tough and the pain and the uncertainty, I can be grateful. I can thank God. So begin by thanking God. Second of all, and we can see this in the verse, is that we turn it over to God. When we say we present our request, that means we're turning it over to Him. 
I think it's in 1 Peter chapter 5, you can find that verse. 1 Peter 5, where Peter says we need to cast, have you heard that verse? Cast our cares upon him, upon God, because he cares for you. Cast your anxiety, cast your worries on him because he cares for you. Why did Peter say that? I want to say he said it because he's a fisherman. Fishermen know about casting. Now he's probably casting a net, but work with me. So he's casting. He's casting. He's getting that net, or in our context, that lure way out there away from him. So God has given us this invitation every single day. No matter how difficult, no matter how stressful, no matter how tough the circumstances is, I'm going to take my cares and my worries, not the responsibility, and cast. I'm going to cast that upon him. That worry about my work, about my money, about relationships, about struggles, I'm going to cast that upon him. I'm going to cast my worry about worry upon him. I'm, I'm going to cast that upon him. And I can do that because I know he cares for me. I know that he cares for me. I know that he cares for you. So how do we deal with worry? We start when we pray by thanking God and thanking Him and thanking Him. And then we turn it over to Him. We cast that worry upon Him. Maybe it helps you to write it down or something like that. And then just crumble it up or throw it away or drag it to the delete function in your phone or your pad or whatever you are writing with, right? But cast it upon Him. Turn it over to Him. Now, what I've discovered is you've got to continue to do that. I'm really good at turning over a worry to him in the morning in prayer. And then, you know, hour later in traffic, I pick that worry back up. When I go into work, and I've picked that worry and anxiety back up. So it's a continual turning it over to God. And sometimes I don't have time to, you know, in the middle of my day, just sit down, hit my knees and pray. I've got it in my mind, say, God, I turn that over to you. God, I turn it over to you. I turn it over to you. So we present our request. We turn it over to him with thanksgiving. And then the last thing is this, is that we trust God's got this. How do we experience that peace of God that transcends all understanding, that guards our heart and our minds, our emotions? Well, we, when we turn it over to him, we thank him, we trust that God's got this. Sometimes I wonder, as I look at my own life, as I look at what's happening in the world, God, I'm not sure that God's got this. God's got this. That's right. He's got it. Children know it. He's got it. Someone gave me a story recently, old story, about a politician, a British politician by the name of Whitlock. He worked under uh, Cromwell's administration, and things were just, just brutal. You know, foreign policy, locally, 
there nationally, things were brutal in Britain during this time period in the 17th century. And uh, Whitlock, this leader, was just full of worry and anxiety. He was keeping people up. People around him would hear him, and his assistant would hear him, and he wasn't sleeping, and the assistant wasn't sleeping. So, so his assistant came into his room and said, Sir, I pray, sir, will you give me leave to ask you a question? And Whitlock said, Well, certainly. And he said, the assistant said, I pray, sir, do you think God governed the world very well before you came into it? Woodlock said, Un undoubtedly. And the assistant said, well, I pray, sir, do you think he will govern the world quite well as when you're gone out of it? And Woodlock said, well, certainly. And the assistant said, then I pray, sir, and excuse me, sir, but do you think you may trust him to govern the world quite well as long as you are living in it. And Whitlock didn't say a word, but he fell asleep. What's that assistant saying <laughs> to his boss who was way up? the latter. He was saying, God is in control. God is sovereign. God is providential over everything that is happening on a macro level, on a micro level, on a national level, and on a personal level in your life, in my life. We can trust that God's got this. The gospel is the good news about what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. The good news is God loves us so much. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die for our guilt, our shame, our law-breaking, our stupidity, our arrogance, our narcissism, our worry. He, he died for us to save us, to rescue us, to have our name written in the book of life, to secure for us life and meaning now and in the future with him forever. He did this for us. God is for us. And if God did all of that for us, can he not handle our worries and anxieties in the here and now. I'm reminded of the, of the chorus I learned probably in Sunday school or vacation Bible school when I was a little bitty kid. And maybe you heard it and you know the words, you know, that God's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the little bitty babies in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. He's got the whole world. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got your life and my life, and he's got our future in his hands. 